where we focus our attention, our thoughts, our ideas, the emotional states of being that we experience on a regular basis, operating from a powerful state of joy, curiosity, excitement, compassion, passion. That is how we create powerfully in our lives. It's, and it's how we collectively create a world that reflects states of joy and states of curiosity and states of excitement. Welcome to A Changed Mind, a journey into the topics that matter to you most. From the neuroscience and spirituality of mindset and personal growth to groundbreaking strategies for health, wealth, and relationships, to open and honest conversations about pressing global issues such as the environment, censorship, corporate capture, and democracy. Each and every episode reminds us of the certainty of the goodness of the future and provides the teachings, tools, and timeless wisdom inspiring you to create real lasting change in your life and in the world. If you've been desiring a sanctuary for your spirit, a place to go to tune out the distraction, negativity, and doom and gloom so that you can tap into the deep power, the vibrancy, and the potential you have inside, you're in the right place. Welcome to A Changed Mind. Hey, it's David. Just a quick interruption to your normally scheduled podcast. I've got an incredible opportunity for you. Big announcement that my book is now live on Amazon, A Changed Mind. Go beyond self-awareness, rewire your brain, and re-engineer your reality. If you've been wanting to take your personal growth to the next level, maybe you've done the self-help thing, but you're still feeling more stress or overwhelm or anxiety in your life, maybe you've gotten to the next level of financial security or growth in your relationships or health or your business, but you've hit a new ceiling and you're really wanting to understand how to identify the resistance that is still inside of you that's shaping your experience of life and to let it all go and transform it so that you can truly feel free emotionally, spiritually, financially, and achieve your full potential, you've got to check out this book. I spent the last 18 months pouring all of the teachings, philosophies, tools, even processes that I've never taught before that have helped me go from a life where I was literally struggling to survive to a life now that I love in a system that lets me materialize the vision I have for my business, my family, my world, without the hustle and grind and putting my spiritual growth and well-being first. So if you've been wanting a treasure map to the emotional and material promised land that life has waiting for you, take a minute to jump on over to Amazon, grab yourself a copy of A Changed Mind, or better yet, grab a couple of copies and give them as gifts to your loved ones the feedback is already coming in. People are saying this is one of the most practical and powerful personal development books they've ever read, and I get it because everything that's in this book is exactly what I went through, what I learned, and what I used to change my mind. Check it, grab yourself a copy, and now on to your regularly scheduled podcast episode. Hey, it's David. Welcome back to A Changed Mind, a sanctuary for your human spirit, a place where I will remind you each and every episode of the certainty of the goodness of the future. I'm your host, your friend, your guide, uh, a guy who's just been on the journey and wants to share with you what I've discovered. My name is David Bayer, and this is going to be the most important episode I certainly have recorded so far and maybe ever record. I've been getting a lot of questions around how we can apply the principles that we've been talking about on a changed mind to react, respond, deal with the external circumstances that we're seeing in the world right now. And I'm going to be sharing with you the only way that I see moving forward into creating what we would call heaven on earth or the promised land. Uh, and the only way that we as individuals and as a collective are going to be able to change some of the emergences that we are seeing, 
um, that have been unfolding for a while. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on giving attention to the different challenges that are emerging in the world. I want to speak to them briefly just so that we have a context for this conversation. So some of you have, have reached out and many of you I know listen to independent media, whether it's Joe Rogan, Jordan Peterson, Ben Shapiro, Candace Owens, all the independent channels that are emerging like The Hill, basically not mainstream media. And I'm going to not make any judgments around what you listen to, what you don't, what you believe, what you don't, which tribal group you associate with, whether it's vegans or meat eaters or conservatives or liberals or vaxxers or non-vaxxers. That, that's all a very distracting conversation that frankly is keeping us from focusing on what I'm going to be sharing with you, which is how to tap into and be an expression of an infinite power that exists uh, in our reality, in our universe, that is the essence of who we are and that is the thing that we need to align ourselves with if we want to be able to create change in the world. And even if you're not listening to independent media, um, but you're still listening to traditional media, information is making its way to each and every one of us. And some examples of the information that's making its way to us, and I'm not, I'm not saying what's true, what's not, but our ideas, for example, that the pandemic originated in a laboratory that was potentially funded by the United States in China. It's an awareness of organizations like the World Economic Forum, groups that have been around for a long, long time, like the Bilderberg Group, who are defining agendas for the future that you may not agree with. It may not be a direction that you'd like to see humanity or governments or society uh, go into. Talking about things like corporate capture of organizations like the World Health Organization, corporate capture of our own government, corporate capture of things like the American Pediatric Association. Again, I, I'm not saying that the assertion of corporate capture is accurate or not. I'm just suggesting that there are suggestions out there and many of you are bringing these types of things to my attention. Essentially that we exist with a banking cartel uh, that is in the process uh, along with government coordination of moving us towards a central bank di digital currency for more control of, of how we spend our money and, and who we spend our money with. And some of you have brought up what you've seen in Canada with the uh, trucker protest and the debanking of people in what many of you have described as a democratic dismantling experiment within Canada. The health of vaccines and other medical products, which even as I mention it, I notice my own concerns about whether or not I will be overtly or subtly censored on the major uh, internet platforms. And so censorship is an issue. Geez, we could talk about the military industrial complex and what some of you are suggesting and have suggested, which is that the, the Ukrainian war, there are ulterior motives that have been driving and perpetuating it. And there were opportunities for peace that Western nations have actually gotten in the way of because it's not financially profitable for them or according to their um, globalist agenda. And all of this, when you combine it, is what some of you have described as totalitarian control. And the removing of personal liberties, civil liberties, we've certainly seen an increase in surveillance in the name of protecting against terror. We're seeing new global treaties roll out that inhibit individuals' rights uh, if we experience another pandemic. And I want to speak to how we can be aware of what's going on in the world, but not be entangled with it. Because 
where we focus our attention, our thoughts, our ideas, the emotional states of being that we experience on a regular basis, operating from a powerful state of joy, curiosity, excitement, compassion, passion, that is how we create powerfully in our lives. It's, and it's how we collectively create a world that reflects states of joy and states of curiosity and states of excitement. And of course, at the time of the recording of this podcast, and my intention is to get into it in a deeper level and talk about how to navigate what we're seeing uh, in the Israeli-Palestinian crisis, right? We have this culmination, and I'm going to get into this more in a minute, of hundreds if not thousands of years of trauma that are materializing now in, no lack of a better way to describe it, a horrific conflict that we are seeing um, where innocent people on both sides are being killed. So I want to I talk about how we respond to our awareness of what's happening out there. And this conversation is going to be had through the lens of metaphysics. So I want to define metaphysics for you. Metaphysics, which is often described as occult, uh, sort of secret society, not in the sense of centralized power and totalitarian control, but mystical teachings, esoteric teachings, and philosophies. Within metaphysics is this idea of the law of attraction, it's this idea of how your thoughts become things that Napoleon Hill wrote about in the best-selling business book of all time, Think and Grow Rich. Um, it's what earlier teachers like Neville Goddard and Raymond Charles Barker and William Walker Atkinson, uh, Norman Vincent Peale, uh, Florence Scovel taught, right? These were, these were Christian, for the most part, scientists. And they were describing the fundamental forces that are actually behind the reality that we experience. And so the word metaphysics itself, anything with meta, forget about the Facebook meta world, but in terms of our vocabulary, anything with meta is meant to be interpreted as the blank of whatever the word that follows it. In other words, metaphysics is the physics of physics. And so physics is the sciences attempt to explain how our reality works, right? The gravitational pull, the orbiting of the planets, the structure uh, of the visual world that we experience. Metaphysics says, well, hey, the physics, meaning the math that the scientists have been able to establish, that's just an effect of something else that comes before it, meta, metaphysics. And so metaphysics is the physics behind the physics. It's an understanding of the invisible laws and the rules that govern our reality. And it goes back to the idea that everything is energy. And energy translates over time. Energy translates into thought. Thoughts translate into, they solidify even more so into emotions. Emotions solidify more so into actions. Actions then produce the physical world that we see. And so just as we explore, for example, particles and waveform energy, and we see a lot of strangeness occurring in quantum theory and, the, and quantum mechanics, we're seeing that energy waveform has a mechanism by which it becomes physical. And the mechanism by which it becomes physical is the translation through, in, in one sense, this extraordinary being called the human being. And so we want to look at how we as human beings are receiving energy and using energy and manipulating energy and translating that into the physical world. Because Everything that we're seeing right now in our own individual lives is a materialization of our infrastructure, of our inner world. And we talk so much about this. You can go back to the fundamental episodes of A Changed Mind, episode two, where we talk about 
the difference between motivation and inspiration and what I would call personal growth 1.0 and this conversation and where personal growth is going, personal growth 2.0, which is an understanding of these metaphysical principles and how to actually use our minds to rewire our own brains and re-engineer our realities. I just published my book on that, A Changed Mind. If you want to go deeper into it, you can find it anywhere online. And then uh, episode three, where I taught uh, uh, the fundamental principle of how we create anything in our lives, again, individually or collectively, which is that desire plus non-resistance equals desired result. When you have a desire and you tap into your imaginative faculties or your capacity for visualization, if left unimpeded, meaning there's no resistance to it, a limiting belief, a childhood trauma, that vision will f- and those thoughts and ideas will, will in, in an automatic, mechanical, electrical way, find their way into materializing into reality. So your thoughts become things, as Napoleon Hill talked about. And so we're going to have this conversation from a metaphysical standpoint, as Aristotle would call it, a first principle standpoint. Like what are the actual fundamental laws and philosophies behind the reality that we're experiencing? Because many of us are seeing a reality that we don't want. And we're wanting to create a different reality than what we're observing. And so one of my private clients at a private dinner that I had said to me, hey, like I'm becoming aware of what's going on in the banking system and, and what she described as a financial cartel. But, you know, what do I do? You know, it's like, do I put my money into gold? Do I start putting my money into, you know, different bank accounts in order to make sure that it's not over the FDIC limit, which is a insurance uh, that we have here in the United States that protects your money in the bank account up to a certain point. I think it's $250,000, but I don't remember. And she said, even then, she's like, I started going down the rabbit trail and doing the research and the FDIC only has enough funds to insure 2% of all deposits. So like basically this whole banking system is is teetering. <laughs> and what do I do to protect myself? You know, do I become a prepper? Do I go buy a farm somewhere and start raising cows and sheep and chickens and make sure I'm off the grid with my own electrical <laughs> solar support and my own water system? And so, you know, when you get into this conversation and you start to uh, understand at least the perspective that many people have around how the world has been operating for a long time but is now being disclosed and we're becoming more aware of it, um, what do we do? So put a pin in that for a second. And also, let's just acknowledge this, this independent media voice that has emerged, the Russell Brands, the Jordan Petersons, the Joe Rogans, you know, whether you agree with them or not, these are the platforms where these conversations are taking place. These conversations are not taking place, and I would say are not allowed to take place on the major media platforms, CNN, MSNBC, Fox News. In fact, Fox News has been an interesting platform because they've had commentators who come out and start talking about these things, uh, like Tucker Carlson uh, or Glenn Beck, and they end up getting you know effectively booted off the platform, and then they become a part of independent media. So independent media is the, the uh, informing entity right now because there is censorship taking place both on uh, internet platforms where uh, truly we know now from the Twitter files that censorship was taking place. And censorship is taking place in terms of the major media networks because only certain information is allowed to be transmitted there. And so you have this independent media. Independent media is coming out and they're sort of the, the freedom fighters of today's world wanting to inform you know, the American people, wanting to inform the global people of kind of what's taking place and what's going on in the world so that we can do something about it. But the challenge is, is that the information as it's being communicated is, is creating even more fear because there aren't even really any solutions. It reminds me of the story of David and Goliath. It's like the Goliath of totalitarian control 
seems so immense in terms of military capabilities and surveillance and political manipulation and corporate capture of our governments. And, um, you know, uh, now we have science that uh, isn't necessarily fact-based, although science has always been open to interpretation, but we have corporate funded science in order to support uh, whatever the, uh, you know, the, the medical objective is or the sociological objective is. And so, it's like we can't even really trust the organizations that we had been indoctrinated into trusting. So you've got this independent media that's emerged, but they're they're simply perpetuating the the one thing that is holding the whole system in place, which is fear itself. And so I'm going to get to that in a moment. We have a lot of well-meaning people who are out there trying to create change, trying to rally a revolution, but it you as Einstein said, you cannot create a solution to something with the same consciousness that created it. So we cannot react in fear to what we're observing out there and expect to have a solution emerge from the fear that is going to create anything different than what we've already got. And this is a really important concept. It goes back to everything that we teach in our own individual lives. It's like if you've got a limiting belief or childhood trauma, which is a memory that is effectively stored in the neural networks of your brain and that is creating a, a, a habitual pattern of resonance or electrical energy throughout your nervous system, you're going to be having thoughts that are going to be in alignment with producing that limiting belief or that fear. And then you're going to take action unknowingly and unconsciously because the unconscious mind is driving so many micro decisions throughout the course of your day and course of your life that are going to set you up for experiencing whatever the thing is that you, you fear, the limiting belief, right? Like running out of money or never overcoming your chronic health condition or being alone for the rest of your life or my relationship's never going to change and my wife or my husband is never going to understand me. If you believe that, that, then you have thoughts that are in alignment with that and you then transmit that vibration throughout your entire body as an emotion. And that's important to understand because at that point there's this bifurcation that takes place where internally now with that emotion you take action that produces results that sets you up to experience the same thing, right? Like if you believe that your relationship can never get better, you do things that will guarantee that your relationship can never get better. That's how the human being operating system works. But simultaneously, you're vibing, right? You're creating this resonance in your nervous system and that resonance is received by consciousness everywhere, including your partner. And so they end up saying things and doing things to fulfill on this originating belief. And then we go, you know, see, I knew it. Things are never going to work out with my partner. See, I knew it. You know, I'm never going to be financially secure. See, I knew it. Other people have all the luck, but I don't. See, I knew it. Nobody really cares about this product or this message that I have in this new business that I've started. Uh, and I shouldn't have started it in the first place. So again, we get it backwards. It's not the experience that's invoking this emotional and psychological response inside of you. It's the belief that you've had for a very, very long time, right? It formed at an age where that you don't even remember, right? Before the age of seven, before the prefrontal cortex was fully formed, you had some experience in your life. You know, you watched your parents in a relationship that wasn't a particularly good representation of a healthy relationship. And so the conclusion you came to was see relationships, you know, just don't work out. And so as an adult, you've, you've carried that belief. You literally held it inside of both your physical body and your electrical body. And so life has no choice but to, to give you what it is that you've, you're putting out there, right? Ask and you shall receive. All, all of these metaphysical principles are represented in the great scriptural teachings, whether it's the Quran or the Tibetan Book of the Dead or the Bible or the Bhagavad Gita. These, these were all metaphors, although there may be some historical accuracy to many of them, of how consciousness works and these metaphysical properties that drive physics, that drive our reality. So if you were to look at your own life, 
and you were to really simplify it and you wanted to say, hey, I, I want to create more in my own life. I want to create more of what, what we want. Then we go back to this fundamental equation, called, which is desire, right? What you want plus non-resistance, no limiting beliefs and no traumas, no fears, no anger, no resentment equals desired result, right? So I'm not saying you don't take action, but if you have a desire and you don't have any resistance to it, your view of the world is not resistant to it. In other words, if you want to make more money, but you don't have any limiting beliefs about money, money's hard to make, you know, money's for rich people, but you're not a rich person, money is the root of all evil, money comes, but it doesn't stay. If you don't have the, if you're not holding that inside of you as a memory, as a meaning, as a thought pattern, as an emotional pattern, then you'll have the thoughts and ideas that you will be able to look back on and you'll take the necessary action through aligned emotion right? You'll take the necessary action to produce the result. And then simultaneous, there's this idea of coincidence or co-creation or synchronicity or law of attraction. You will be vibrating at a level of abundance with no resistance. And so then circumstances and situations will begin to attract themselves to you and your unconscious mind will be making micro decisions that are going to take you to and lead you to the people, the places, the circumstances in order to create abundance for yourself. So this is clear in our own lives. Like, this is the game. This is how it works. The equation doesn't say desire what you want, right? Plus, figure it out, hustle and grind, come up with a plan, hope for the best <laughs> equals desired result. That's what we're all doing as human beings. And that's why even successful people are emotionally, psychologically, and spiritually fried because we're operating according to bad mathematics. I talked about in another episode that up until the 1500s, Science believed that the earth was the center of the universe. And so they created a mathematical model. They tried to create a physics based off of the earth being the center of the universe. And so as you can imagine, we know it's not the case anymore, but most of the math was bad. And so then they'd come up, they'd invent these other things to fill in the gaps. They're you know, basically mythology so that their mathematics could work. Uh, and it was called the geocentric model. And then along came Copernicus in, I don't know when it was, 15, 1520, 1530, 1500s. And Copernicus said, well, hold on a minute. This isn't how it works. The sun is actually the center of the solar system. And at that time, that was heresy, right? He was ridiculed. I believe he was imprisoned. I mean, basically, the, the powers that be at that time, the totalitarian control, basically said, hey, you, you have to take this back because it broke the system. It was called the heliocentric model. But we now know that that's true, and the math works with it. But still, science does this, right? Science, I think in the 90s, it kind of reminds me of dark matter. Remember when dark matter came out? Maybe you saw it in Time Magazine or something. And it was like, we found this dark matter, and, but we can't really explain how it works, right? And so we're going to give it the mathematical properties that allow it to kind of be the thing that lets the rest of our mathematical equations that explain physics in the universe to function, right? They just use dark matter, as a surrogate for like all of the math that didn't work rather than waiting until we have a deeper understanding of why the mathematics works the way that it is. So we've all been living according to this geocentric model and the teachings of a changed mind and every conversation that we have here are about the heliocentric model. They're about the better mathematics and understanding how it works. So the heliocentric model says, if you want to change your life, you want to change your relationship, you, you want to create a mission-driven business, you want to overcome your health challenges, your chronic pain, your autoimmune. You want to attract the relationship of your dreams. You want to become more spiritually connected. You want to eliminate your anxiety. The work is not to try to control your external environment because the external environment is just an effect. In a sense, it's an illusion. 
It's an effect of your inner architecture. So you have to take a look at what the resistance is inside of you because if you can remove the resistance then both through you and external to you, you'll create the desired result. Desire plus non-resistance equals desired result. And if we were to look at what the resistance is, you know, we've identified limiting beliefs. We've identified how your resentments actually anchor and tie your limiting beliefs in. You can't let go of a limiting belief or transform it if you're still holding on to the person that that, that energy was created with or represented with. Uh, something we call the core program, which is something that each and every single one of us has that is the seed of our personality but has to be surrendered sometime between the age of 35 and 55. Um, and the absence of self-love, those are all forms of resistance. But if you were to boil it down e- even more to a binary model, it would be faith and fear. So the equation could be desire plus faith equals desired result or desire plus non-fear equals desired result. Okay, so in order for us to create what we want, we have to have a vision and we have to have no fear. And then the desired result will be produced both through us and external to us, through coincidences and synchronicities, through miraculous ways that we could not even imagine. That's the promise of scripture. And it's how we understand reality works. These are metaphysical principles. Now we look at what's going on in the world. And you go, well, I'm, I'm afraid. I just found out that BlackRock and State Street and Vanguard are planning on buying up 60% of the housing market and controlling residential housing by whatever the date is, 2032. And so I'm scared, right? So, okay, well, but the fear, you cannot, you cannot operate from fear and create a solution to private equity firms having what you may view as inappropriate control of the housing market. Right? You look at, for example, what's happening in the banking system, as my private client did. And she says, now I'm afraid. It's like, okay, well, we can't change the system if we're operating from fear. And we break down all emotions into two states of being, powerful states and primal states. You're always in one state of being or the other, and you're never in two states at the same time. So you're either in a powerful state of being, which is a state of emotion that feels good, like joy, curiosity, excitement, positive anticipation, compassion, empathy, boldness, courage, right? Those are powerful states of being. Or you're in a primal state, stress, anxiety, overwhelm, anger, jealousy, all forms of fear. And so... What's happening right now in the world is that as we are becoming aware of the structure that is out there, we are moving into fear and anger. And we're trying to create a solution from fear and anger. And we cannot create a solution from fear and anger. We have to find a way to get back into a powerful state of being. And unfortunately, the mistake a lot of well-meaning people are making in independent media right now is they're becoming perpetrators of the fear. The challenge is, is fear is what created the system in the first place. So let me explain. Whatever we hold in our minds on a consistent basis, as I mentioned before, will materialize into our physical reality. And so everything that we're seeing right now that we're just describing as totalitarian control is simply a byproduct of traumas inside of each and every one of us. I mean, you think about it. I don't know how long man has been around, right? There's a lot of debate about this and going back to ancient civilizations. But let's just say we've been around for 3,000, 5,000, 10,000 years in our current form. And for most of that time, we were survival-based animals. We weren't using our cognitive faculties. We weren't using the power of our imagination to become powerful creators made in the image of creation itself. The great teachers, for example, Christ, came 2,000 years ago and were like, hey, 
guys, wake up out of your animalistic tendencies and start living according to these metaphysical principles. I mean, Christ was the greatest metaphysician that ever lived. I mean, maybe Muhammad too. I don't know. I haven't studied, right? Buddha was certainly tuned into it. And the other great teachers and messiahs and the prophets, they were metaphysicians. That's what they were. And so they came to help civilization move forward in its evolution through uh, a changed mind through the development and the nurturing and the evolution of our consciousness. And so, but, but prior to that, and even now, if you look at what led us up to this point in history is just hundreds, thousands of years of raping and pillaging and abusing each other, right? So all that, all that trauma gets passed on from generation to generation to generation. So in the same way that, you know, you're, you may have had a mom who worried and so now you're a warrior or you had a dad who was angry and so now you're angry and critical, Right, these these belief systems get passed on through our observation as we have absorbent minds when we're children, and we take on the belief systems of the people that we came from. And what's beautiful about being here now is that we we're in this conversation, and so we're we're developing an awareness and understanding philosophies. We're all becoming metaphysicians, choosing to turn to spiritual technologies in order that we can metabolize and transform and translate these traumas so that they no longer perpetuate to the next generation and so they don't get passed around during our current lifetime like a hot potato because that's what happens, right? You get angry and then you express your anger to someone else. You get worried and you express your worry to someone else. And so those of us who are awakening, which is you because you're here listening to this episode, you're a change maker in the sense that you're becoming a, tr- a translation of this trauma from the past, which are primal states of emotion into powerful states of emotion. You're doing the work. You're literally a vessel through which all of this energy and trauma is processing itself. And as it comes out the other side, not only does the world become a better place, but you become an incredibly powerful person. That's why we can welcome the challenges, the traumas that happen to us or that we experience because each time we we become aware of one of these dissonant bundles or packets of energy and we're willing to be with it and use the tools that we teach or that any great teachers teach to transform that dissonant energy into resonant energy, that compressed energy into unbound energy, we become powerful. And so that's the game. The game is to transform your own personal traumas and history that have come down through these lineages and then you're able to achieve your full potential. And and that that is the mechanism of your greatness. That is how you become great. And so we've got thousands of years of trauma that are held in human consciousness right now. And these fears are materializing into everything that we're seeing. Surveillance, manipulation of the financial markets, manipulation of the healthcare system, a handful of people who are manipulating good systems in the world like governmental systems or non-governmental systems. We've seen the, 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 the polluting of the planet and the Holocaust on the oceans and the destruction of habitats around the world. All of this is coming from us. So we have to take responsibility for this because that's what first metaphysical principles teach us. There's nothing in your material. Look at if you look at your own individual life, it's fairly easy to buy into, right? If you're here in this conversation, you create your own reality. Well, okay, but we're collectively creating this other reality. So totalitarian control and all of the bits and pieces that represent it, they're just a materialization of everything that's inside of us. I had a conversation at dinner with my mother-in-law. We had sold our Florida home and we were looking to buy another one. And I didn't know that there was a back channel conversation going on between my mother-in-law and my wife where 
the home that we sold, uh, my mother-in-law had contributed some money towards it. So she was a part owner of the house. And now we've sold that home and we're rolling that equity into another home that we're going to buy. And I guess there was some assumption that she wouldn't be on the title, that just my wife and I would be on the title. Now, first and foremost, I have no problem with my mother-in-law being on the title. But there were some back-channel conversations and it came up while we were having dinner at the Spanish tapas restaurant. And while I was kind of in the midst of really becoming clear on what's creating the structure out there and what we need to do in order to dissolve the structure. And that's what I'm going to be concluding this episode with. Super powerful stuff. And so I, I, was, I was sharing my theories with them and that, you know, essentially you've, you've got fear and fear is what's perpetuating the system and that the solution to transforming the system is not to try to be angry and do something with the system or out of anger come up with alternatives to the system. It's to purge yourself of fear. If we all purge ourselves of fear, the system itself cannot exist. But the system is materializing in truly extraordinary ways because my wife's mom shared with my wife that her fear was, well, what if, if my wife dies? God forbid. I don't know why my mother-in-law is even speaking that <laughs> into reality, but that's okay. We speak a lot of our fears into reality. If my wife passes before me and then I remarry, what if I kick my mother-in-law out of the home? That was her fear. And I thought, wow, this is so incredible because I know so many people who have a fear of being kicked out of their home or a fear of being homeless. You know, we work with entrepreneurs and we work with professionals and individuals and stay-at-home moms and single parents and church leaders and just about everybody, right, gets into our work. And no matter what stage of life they're in or status of life they're in, I find this very common fear that you're going to run out of money, you're not going to be able to pay your mortgage or your rent, and there's some something held deep in our consciousness that we're going to end up living under a bridge. You with me? You ever have the living under the bridge fear at some point in your life? Right now, I no longer have a fear of living under a bridge because I've achieved a certain level of financial prosperity and abundance. And I understand these metaphysical principles and I know that I can create money under any circumstances. And so I have no fear that I'm going to be living under the bridge. I have other fears, but I say, oh my God, you know, if you were to, if you could scan the consciousness of, let's just take Americans in particular, how many millions of people have a fear that they're going to end up living under the bridge, that they're not going to be able to pay their rent and their mortgage? And so how does that materialize, that limiting belief and that fear and that, that trauma that has been passed on from generation to generation of not having enough and therefore not being able to survive, like just fundamental basic needs and not being able to meet them? What happens is that puts an idea out into consciousness that someone else is able to receive at some big private equity firm. And they say, hey, here's a good strategy for wealth creation. How about we buy up all the residential market, right? So we, you have to, it's so profound that our fears are materializing into the structure of totalitarian control in very specific ways. All of us are afraid that we're not going to be heard, that people are going to disagree with what we say, that someone's going to become upset, right? Those are, those are common fears that we have. So what happens? Well, one frequency of the internet platforms that have emerged and, and the binary media channels, but in particular the internet platforms, is that now certain people are being censored for what they say. Why? Well, because that's a fear inside of consciousness, right? We have a fear of losing the money that we have. So what happens? Banking failures. And then all of this is culminating into you know a crisis that's representing trauma at the highest level, which again, I'll talk about in the next episode and how to be thinking about it, which is the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, right? That, is, that has been a trauma that has just been bubbling for a long, long time. And it represents 
um, chords and threads of of humanity's trauma, and it's it's coming up uh, in this in this place in the world, not coincidentally, where the new consciousness was being taught, right? Where the resistance to the new consciousness exists, where Christ was teaching his teachings, and it and in some ways it's a battle between two great teachers who are saying the same thing, right? The Christ and the followers of Allah, right? And again, the Old Testament, right? If you look at what's happening with Jewish history and the, and, the, and the Torah, right? Different beliefs about the same conversation and needing to be right, which is so fundamental within our own consciousness. So we've got this materialization of, of our own fears. And so what's the solution? The solution is to be fearless. The solution is to purge ourselves of fear. If what I believe, I love this, what I heard on uh, Glenn Beck. Glenn Beck was doing a play-by-play of uh, an interview between Joe Rogan and Anthony Oliver. And if you haven't uh, been exposed to the Anthony Oliver phenomenon, you can check it out. He came out with a song, Richmond, North of Richmond, which was expressing all of the emotions and the thoughts that a big segment of society within the United States, in particular kind of white working class men, are feeling, how they're feeling. And so he felt guided to create this song, and it resonated powerfully with um, how a huge swath of people in this country are feeling, and it became a phenomenon. The song just took off, and now Oliver Anthony's filling stadiums. Joe Rogan has him on an interview him on his podcast and says, hey, like, you know, what, what happened? Like, how did this unfold? And Glenn Beck, <laughs> who, you know, again, another freedom fighter, booted from Fox News, has his own opinions about what's going on with totalitarian control, observations of consciousness as it's materializing. He's doing a play-by-play of the interview with Joe Rogan. And at the beginning of that play-by-play, Glenn Beck says, hey, I had a conversation with the the late Billy Graham right before he died. Billy Graham was a, a very famous preacher. And Glenn says, I said to Billy Graham, you know, hey, the world's not going in a direction that looks particularly healthy or positive. Who's going to show up in order to, to save us? Who's the next Martin Luther King? Who's the next Gandhi? Who's the, the next uh, you know, founding fathers or, or John F. Kennedy? And, uh, and Glenn Beck says that Billy Graham says, uh, well, Glenn, you know, God's kind of tired of working through individual people. He's going to start working through everyone now. And what I believe is going to happen uh, is that uh, ordinary people, each and every day type of people, are going to hear the quiet whisper of spirit giving them instructions on what they need to do. Sometimes very mundane, ordinary types of things, sometimes really big things. But all of those things, when expressed, when enough people hear the inner voice and are willing to courageously, the opposite of fear, right? Willing to courageously um, take action and follow that guidance, I believe that that's what's going to change the world. I agree with what Billy Graham is saying. If we had millions of people who withdrew their attention became aware of what's happening in the totalitarian structure and then said, okay, I understand metaphysical principles. I don't want to give my attention. I don't want to give my energy. I don't want to give my thoughts towards it. I have a desire. So thank you, totalitarian system. You've shown me what I don't want, right? I don't want censorship. So what I want is free speech. I don't want control of the financial system. So what I want is financial sovereignty. I don't want a war between Israel and Palestine or Ukraine and Russia. What I want is world peace. I don't want governments who are corporate captured who are taking taxpayer money and diverting it to the same corporations who are influencing them. I want to have electoral reform and I want to have a fair and just democratic government. Whatever it is that you, that you want to see out there, right? 
uh, hey, I want to have an option for medical products, but I want to have you know right to know and access to the information, and I want the products to go through a proper review process, not a process that's regulated by an organization that's actually funded by the pharmaceutical companies, which they're meant to regulate, <laughs> right? Like, okay, thank you, system, for helping me become aware of what I don't want so that I can become aware of what I do want. And so that is now the desire, right? The next step in the equation is non-resistance. So we have to look within ourselves and see where there's resistance. And what's happening right now as so many people are becoming aware of the system is they're moving into resistance. Oh my God, what do I do? How are we going to change this? It's so powerful. People need to know, right? And, and we move into a continued perpetuation of the energy that is holding the system in place, which is fear itself. In other words, if millions of people remove their resistance and fear, each and every one of them would start to tune in to that quiet whisper of intuition inside of them. And they would be unblocked in terms of following that intuition or inspiration. It might be an idea. It might be a conversation. It might be a new business. They would tune into the variety of solutions that exist out there in consciousness today. And they would joyfully, faithfully be the vehicle or mechanism for materializing that solution. And as millions of people actually do that, while giving no attention to the current structure, they would not only create the new system and the new structure, but the old structure would have no energy to hold it in place. It's only being held in place by fear. These are metaphysical principles. If you withdraw your attention from that which you no longer desire, then that which you no longer desire must go back from whence it came, right? Which is back into energetic form. And so we would look at it and we would be able to go, oh, the structure dissolved because of these actions and activities. But the actions and activities themselves are simply an effect. They're not a cause. The cause is purging our consciousnesses of fear. If we can purge each and every one of us, our consciousness of fear, then the system cannot exist and something else must be created. It's spiritual law. It's how the technology actually works. And so that's our, our job, right? To purge ourselves of fear. It's at the core of why we created our 12-step process, the whole human framework, because it's designed for an individual to inventory all of their fears and to have the tools to drop that resistance, to surrender those limiting beliefs, to transform those traumas so that you can be a person with more space inside of you. And where that fear once resided, there's now this new space. It's a new space of faith. It's a new space of capacity for new ideas. It's a new space for healing. It's a new space for you being your authentic self rather than simply being a reaction to historical traumas that have been passed in, down through you and that are materializing into our life right now. And so this is the way forward. And you know, my hope and my prayer, I see it already, is that the new spokespeople for the new independence in independent media start to become aware of the fact that the way that they're communicating, uh, what they're learning is just perpetuating the system itself and that they, in that awareness, begin to have conversations with the massive communities that they're able to influence to move those people into powerful states of being, to help them get confident in the certainty of the goodness of the future, for those people and their platforms to be sanctuaries for the human spirit. Because that is the place where we're going to be able to create something new, not from becoming aware of something, making us angry or fearful, and then trying to take action 
from that place. So this is really important to understand. And it's really, really simple. So what do we do? Well, we, we, we go back to, um, to wisdom teachings, to spiritual teachings. If you hear the story of Anthony Oliver, when Joe Rogan says, hey, how, do, how are you inspired to do this song? He said, well, I was sort of separated from the Bible for many, many years because I experienced religious trauma and I didn't what, like what was going on in my church. But then I started reading scripture and I read it not for a religious perspective. I read it as a, as a guide for how I can transform my consciousness. And so he went back started looking at the wisdom teachings. It doesn't matter what your wisdom teachings are. Again, whether it's the Quran or, or the Bible or the Torah or whatever it is, it's, it's about returning to these principles of power that the great messiahs and the great teachers taught us, the greatest metaphysicians of all time on how our reality works. It's, it's going back to the principles of what Napoleon Hill talked about as he studied the great industrialists and went to all of the people who are creating powerfully in the world and interviewed all of them. He came up with 13 principles that he identified that each and every single one of them do. And at the core of, of, of those 13 was the idea that thoughts are things and create our reality. It's, it's about you know reading my book, A Changed Mind, so that you can understand these metaphysical principles. It's, it's going and looking at you know Florence Scoble Shin or Raymond Charles Barker who wrote The Power of Decision. It's about getting into these teachings and then, and then being in a fellowship or a community that's living these teachings, people who are living powerfully who are able to be aware of what's happening in the world, but not to become a part of it, right? Not to become victimized by it, not to become perpetuators of it, but instead becoming aware of it. Just like we become aware of our own limiting beliefs and our own personal traumas, we can become aware of the materialization of, of, the, of the, 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 the traumas held in consciousness externally, but we don't have to continue to, to spend time with it, indulge it, entangle with it, engage it, think about it, feel about it, talk about it right? Instead, what we do is we use it as an opportunity to get clear on what we do want. In that sense, we can have gratitude and compassion for it. Hey, thank you, materialization of trauma, right? Thank you, totalitarian structure, you know, but I'm now clear that this is my new desire. Desire plus non-resistance equals desired result, and you get to be a part of the change. And if enough of us actually start operating according to this heliocentric model, like the good mathematics, the world will change. You know, again, it's not that it doesn't take action, but what'll happen is millions of people will start to align with this frequency of change and they'll start to tune in to the solutions that are there and they'll start to coordinate and collaborate together. That's how energy works, right? When they're all, people start to wake up and activate spiritual resonance, um, they, they start to be able to work together in really powerful ways, almost like your own nervous system or the trillions of cells in your body. So the right support will show up, guided by infinite intelligence. The right resources will show up. And we will see, looking back, that the world changed. And it changes one person at a time. So it goes back to these cliches, right? Like, if you want to change the world, change yourself. It's true. But more specifically, let's learn how to detoxify ourselves of the fear that has been accumulating for thousands of years that's materializing as the world that we're experiencing right now. And let's not be perpetuators and purveyors of the fear, by reacting in a fear-based way to the system itself. And anger, frustration is fear. Let's become aware of it and then let's come together as, as a fellowship and a community, as a world. And let's start directing our attention in another, in another direction. Let's you know, reconnect to nature, live, live a life, a joyful day, have gratitude and give thanks for the things that you do have. Because perhaps you know, right now in your life, censorship isn't taking place. Right now in your life, Financial crisis isn't taking place right now in your life, right? All the things that we fear out there aren't taking place. And of course, we can pray for the people who are experiencing that materialization right now, but we can also hold a vision of the resolution of their pain. You know, what metaphysicians do is, you know, it's not that we 
feel sorry for other people, although that's certainly a normal human response, but we cast our attention and our vision on the resolution of the problem already, right? Because that is the desire and we become non-resistant and the result must, must occur. And so we see the resolution of armed conflict in the world. We see the transformation of corporate uh, held structures in the world. We see uh, people living in liberation and freedom and censorship and love and harmony. And this isn't some sort of Pollyanna kumbaya, you know, uh, uh, bullshit. This is how you actually develop a spiritual practice that supports you in your own life and supports the world. So I hope that gives you a, a healthier perspective on what you can do as you are becoming more aware of the forces that are organizing as an effect of the traumas and anger and the hate and the compression and dissonance that we're just holding in our individual bodies. This is a time of great healing and it's a beautiful thing. It's a most amazing time to be alive. I, I, I am 100% certain of the goodness of the future and it's going to be through this way that I'm sharing with you through each and every one of us coming together within whatever spiritual communities we're a part of and living in a daily practice of of working through our fears and working through our limiting beliefs and working through our misunderstandings um, so that we can operate more consistently from a powerful state of being. And then each and every one of us will play our role in the change that is wanting to take place in the world. And it's going to happen. It does not matter what's happening out there with the system or artificial intelligence or how powerful the control mechanisms are. You know, David grabbed five stones. The first one took Goliath out. And if you go back and read that passage in the Bible, it's really, really powerful and really, really beautiful. Again, I don't, you know, consider myself a religious person, but it's important that we pay attention to the wisdom teachings that are there because they're all there. They're all an explanation of what's possible in consciousness and what's relevant for us right now, now more than ever in this time-space reality. You know, David says to Goliath, you come at me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come at you in the name of the God Almighty, right? And today I'm going to feed your head and the carcasses of the Philistine army. And, and today everyone will know that there is a God in Israel. And what David was saying was everyone will know of the power of the great force that is one force that is an infinite intelligence that can grant us any type of vision that we have or desire that we have as long as we have full faith and no fear no resistance to it the result the desired result is an inevitability so let's go do this i love you guys so much if you enjoyed this episode as much as i did and you feel like there are people in your life right now who are in observation in new awarenesses but um, aren't quite sure what the effective game to play is please 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 share with them this episode share with them the podcast share with them my book a changed mind uh, if you haven't subscribed yet and you're listening or are watching on youtube please subscribe leave me a comment i want to know what you think uh, and if you're listening on any of our audio channels, whether it's Apple or Spotify, do me a favor, you know, leave me a rating. It's the way that we get this work out to more and more people. And now more than ever, this type of conversation is the important conversation. We've got to pull ourselves away from the geocentric conversation, the bad mathematical conversation that we've been having. And we need to start living together in an empowered spiritual fellowship and community, practicing these metaphysical principles. If we can do that, everything that we want to see in the world will change. And it doesn't have to take a long time to change. So I love you. Love you so much. Please join me on the next episode uh, as well. And uh, man, this was just so powerful for me. I hope it was as powerful for you. I'll see you in the next episode. Hey, it's David. One more thing. If you want to go even deeper on everything we've talked about on today's episode, don't forget to jump over to www.davidbear.com. 
You can find the link in the show notes and subscribe to our newsletter. A couple of times a week, I'm going to be sending you the latest episodes that we've released along with additional free trainings. You'll get immediate access to my free MindHack ebook and go even deeper into all the tools, the technology, the frameworks that have helped tens of thousands of people establish a changed mind. Don't forget to jump on over to the site and I will see you in the next episode. 